very warm welcome as he makes his way forward. Praise the Lord. Come on, praise the Lord. Come on, grab somebody's hand next to you as we get into this. I want to just get straight into it. I believe that God has a has a has a good uh, word for the for the believer today. Amen. It's a great word for the believer. Come on, dear Heavenly Father, we enter into your presence and we thank you for the thing that you are doing in this church, God. We thank you, Lord, for your provision. We thank you, Lord, for the, uh, for the saints that came up this morning, God, to give you worship, God, for those who are gathered here. But, Father, as we go forward into this service, we ask you that your presence would manifest in the words spoken today, God. God, that our hearts would bear witness to what it is you're trying to decree to your people, Father. That our spirits, God, would resonate with the word that you are speaking to us, God. And that we would not be just hearers of the word, but we would become doers of the word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We are smack in the middle of a five-week series. If you are here for the first time, you can hop online and listen to our sermons. And we are in the middle of our React. Somebody say React, react. series. In week one, we covered uh, R in React. And that is the repentant Christian, the, the Christian that wakes up not begging for forgiveness, but the Christian that wakes up and says, God, I want to change my ideas about sin. Amen? I just don't want to sin no more. I don't want to keep on coming to you and asking forgiveness. I want to find out how I can effectively beat the sins in me. Amen? Anybody wish you could stop falling into the same old sins? It's not just me, right? You get tired of the same old thing. The second week, what did we speak about? Anybody remember? Oh, you're all going to hell. Effective believers. Thank you. Who was that? Praise God. Praise God. I don't remember your name. I'm just kidding. Thank you, Cheeky. I'm just kidding. I want to thank God. We are supposed to be effective Christians. Effective Christians have the knowledge of God. We study the word of God. We pray. We seek God. We worship God. Amen. We act it out in our faith, in our actions, at our jobs. We're effective. People know we're Christians. We're not hypocrites. We're not hypocrites. We're just believers. We're Bible-believing people who understand God has a purpose for my life. I'm going to live according to his will. I'm not going to act out according to how I feel, but I'm going to act on how God sees me. And he sees me as redeemed, so I have to act redeemed. He sees me as sanctified. I have to act sanctified. Amen? I think today is where we get into a couple of tough weeks. What we're going to talk about today is not a popular word in church. Forget church, it's not a popular word in this culture. For the next two weeks, we're going to cover the letter A and the cover the letter C. I might call out sick next week. I'm talking about the correctable believer, Jesus. For the Lord disciplines whom he loves. But today, I want to talk about, taking notes, write this down, accountable Christianity. We live in a generation where nobody wants to be accountable for anything. Parents unaccountable for their children. As a society, we want to, nobody wants to take the blame for the, all the, the, uh, the political issues we're facing. We're just in a place where we don't want to have account for nothing. We're just, no level of responsibility. People act like money grows on trees. They spend their money, go left and right. Don't take care of the responsibilities at home. Mothers not being mothers, fathers not being fathers. With the accountability. I believe that if our accountability was a lot better 
our nation at this point would not be in the place that we're in our culture. If somebody was responsible and raised their children right, they wouldn't be in the streets shooting each other, dealing drugs, gangbanging, all types of foolishness. But there's no accountability. For accountability breeds responsibility. And if you cannot be accountable for anything, meaning nobody can hold you to something, we live in a day and age where the school system teaches the children there is no right or wrong answer. If you can prove enough according to your point of view that you're right, you're going to be right. Is anybody hearing me today? Somebody say accountability. We are accountable for four things as Christians. I want to go over four areas of accountability. I'll give you all of them right now, then I'll break into them as I go. The first one and the foremost, we are accountable to God. We are accountable to the Lord. And being accountable to God is a very scary thing, and I'll break it down. But number one, we're accountable to God. Number two, believe it or not, you may not like this, you're accountable to your leaders. You're accountable to the boss at your job, the patriarch of your family, the grandmothers, the grandparents. You're accountable to them and for them. Look around you. Look at the person next to you. Believe it or not, according to scripture, we're accountable for each other. God's going to hold you to what you did and did not do for the brother and sister sitting next to you. For Jesus declared, what you do for the least of my brothers, you do it unto me. And number three, we're accountable for the souls of those who are lost. So turn with me in your Bibles to Romans chapter 14. The last one, we're accountable for lost souls. That's the one that should break your heart at night to see the world dying. Romans 14, verses 9 through 14. We don't have our, our screen working today. It broke down right before service. So we'll know who the Christians are who brought their Bibles, flipping pages. If you don't have a Bible, just sit next to a Christian somewhere. I'm just kidding. Use your cell phone, whatever you need, whatever you got. Amen. And it says this, and I'm reading from the New International Version. The Apostle Paul writes these very powerful words, and it says, For this reason, Christ died and returned to life, so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. You then, talking to the believer, you, why do you judge your brother? Or why do you look down on your brother? For we all, somebody shout all, stand before God's judgment seat, for it is written. As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. So therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in your brother's way. Say, I'm going to give an account to God for myself. I want to say that one more time. I want to give an account to God for myself. Christians are accountable to the Lord. 
we may have questions. What is accountability? What, is, what does that mean to be accountable? Uh, the word accountable is defined by Webster. It says, number one, it's subject to obligation of report. To explain or to justify something. To make something answerable. Capable of being explained. Explainable. These are the definitions that is capable of being explained. Because you imagine having to go before God and explain everything you've done in your life? Mm. Let that settle in. Just, I know you're probably still thinking of your whole life. <laughs> Maybe you're stuck on last night. Just, ooh. Ah. Back to our sound effects bank. Mm. Mm. Could you imagine having to go before God and he's going to go over your entire life with you? Understand, the Bible says God cast all your sins in the sea of forgetfulness. Yes, he does. What that means is the, in the, the literal version, what it really says is the penalty of your sins. You don't, have to, you don't have to go to hell. You can be redeemed, saved, sanctified, and on your way to heaven. But everything you've done, God will talk to you about, and he will hold you accountable for it. If you can't handle responsibility, you can't handle accountability. What do I mean? If you can't be a responsible Christian that realizing your actions, your, your every word that falls from your lips, it tells people the direction of your Christianity. Do you not realize every conversation you have dictates the power that is behind your Christianity? If your mouth is full of swearing, cursing, and foolishness, your life is full of a foolish Christianity. Your life is headed in the direction of your words. According to definition, is everything justifiable in your life before God? This is kind of a tough, tough area. I mean, do you mean, Pastor, I have to go before God and tell him why I decided to have a lustful spirit? Why I decided to be promiscuous? Do you mean I have to go before God and tell him why I decided to gossip behind my brother and my sister's back? Why I decided to gossip behind my boss's back and talk bad about my boss with smile on their face and do everything like if it's okay, knowing deep down that I hate their guts? You mean, God, I have to give an account for the way I felt about people who did me no wrong, but they knew somebody who did them wrong, and I knew them too, and they told me, and so I hated them too for no reason? You mean, God, I have to get before you, and I have to give an account for all the words that I spoke that were idle, all the things that I did that did not honor you, for every sin I committed, for every person I slept with that I wasn't married to, for everything, every drink that defiled my body, every drug that entered him, everything that I did of you mean, God, I have to explain it all? So the apostle Paul says, listen, don't judge nobody else. For when you get before God, you got to explain your life, not theirs. If Christians can stop being so concerned with someone else's sin, and what we do is we say, well, I'm not as bad as so-and-so. I may smoke cigarettes, but they go to the club and shake it like it's breaking it. I, I may have a problem, but they got an issue. And I may occasionally sin, but they have a culture of sin in their life. And so according to them, I'm okay. Scripture says, judge not, and you shall not be judged. For the same measure in which you judge, you shall be judged. Anybody here with me today? 
My goal that is that today you walk out of this room desiring some level of accountability in your belief. Desiring some level of, you know what, God, I got some issues. I'm not perfect, but I want to, you see, this is, this is how I start my day, and it doesn't always work. I'm not saying it's going to be 100%. I start my day, and I, I realize, you know, if I sin, Lord, I, I have to, <laughs> I got to explain this to you. So I'd rather not, I'd rather not. You following me? You're saying, you're saying, Lord, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to smoke that cigarette because when I get to heaven, I'm going to have to give an account to you. This should stop you from sinning when you realize everything I teach you is to try and get you to live a stronger Christian life. And so if you have this accountable mindset and you're saying, you know what? If I do this, I have to explain myself. So why don't I just not do it and avoid the, the having to explain to this omnipotent, almighty, all-knowing God and realize that every question God asks you is rhetorical. I love how we try and think about it. I don't know, Lord. Let me think about it. He already knows the answer. Are you an accountable person? Nothing in this world, nothing in this world is worse than an adult who has no sense of responsibility. I'm talking about big kids. Got no life. Don't want to work. Don't want to have a job. But want all the benefits of life. Am I talking to somebody? Accountability breeds responsibility. No one has ever held these people responsible. I have someone in my life who's trying to get me to sign paperwork. This paperwork says they're an employee of the church and they can get state. Are you, go get a job. You lazy, no good. For, uh, anybody with me? Let me tell you, we have to be accountable. And adults nowadays have no accountability in their life. They feel they have to answer to no one and give an account to no one for their actions or the lack thereof. If you have no responsibility in your life, God can never trust you. If you find yourself about to sin, you have to ask yourself, am I going to want to be responsible for my actions before God? Do I want God to ask me why I did this? The scripture is saying, if you judge others, there's no reason for when you stand before God, you're not going to be able to sit there and be like, Lord, I saw many. I saw the whole thing. And he did do it. I remember that. Could you imagine that? If you were in somebody else's judgment and God's playing the video of your life, so to speak, and you're like, I remember that, Lord. It was dirty. You should have seen the atmosphere in that place was horrible. The way they talked to their mother, the way he did this or did that. The way Carlos karate chopped this guy in the middle of the supermarket because he took the last bag of spicy Doritos. I saw it, Lord. I was there. I know he did it. Could you imagine that? But God says, listen, be concerned with yourself. But you're going to have to give an account. Somebody say to God. I seriously guarantee you that if you had a mindset of accountability, that you'd be more effective as a believer because you would say, I don't want to have to go before my God and explain foolishness to him. I want when I go before God that, yes, I've made my mistakes in my past, but that my present, he speaks to me and says, you good and faithful servant, you did many things in my name. 
Not that he would say what happened here, what happened there, and what happened here, and what happened there, but that he would be able to go on for a good length of time and say, you did my will. You fulfilled your purpose. You, 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 you found the reason that I was motivated to make you, and you fulfilled it. We're responsible to God for a few level of things. I want to just talk about them. We're responsible to God for our, our testimony, the way you act in public. The Bible describes Christians as ambassadors for Christ. We should act in a way that reflects the Christ in us, not the crisis in us. We always seem to have a reason. We just oh, come to church and just... <sighs> Lord, I really need you today. Go to work all defeated. Hey, how you doing today, Rosemary? Oh, I could be better. You know, I argue with my husband over, you know, the coffee pot, and it's just, I think I want a divorce. Christians, everything is just like so dramatic, so over the top. It's just like everything is like worst case scenario first. And we walk around so defeated. We walk around like so messed up all the time. We walk around cussing people out. We walk around swearing at people, listening to dirty music, dirty people. Listening to that music all the time and wonder why we can't get sex off our mind. Sitting there with all types of foolishness in our lives. And people who know we call ourselves Christians, because let me tell you something. You calling yourself a Christian doesn't qualify you as a believer. When somebody else who's not a believer calls you a Christian, oh, then you're a Christian. I remember when I was young and my father went to the Amish country and, and, and over there in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and one of the sayings they had was, don't ask me who I am, ask my neighbors, for they'll tell you. What do your neighbors say you are? What is your testimony in Christ? Does it reveal the crisis of sin in you, that you're always struggling to serve God, that you're always down and out, you're always miserable, or does it display the Christ in you, the overcomer, the conqueror, the person who's defeated the enemy in areas of their life and, and can preach about it now and can minister to somebody. You should ask yourself, do I reflect the crisis or the Christ in me? You, as a believer, are responsible to God for your actions, the things you do, the places you go. You are responsible for, as I said weeks ago, God, your action dictates God's reaction. For God is a reactive God. Seek me and you'll find me, he says. Knock, then I'll open the door. Ask, then you shall receive. He's a reactive God. You do, he reacts. Draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. God always reacts, so your action you are responsible for. Sometimes your actions dictate that God must punish you. For God is a just God. He's a judge. The idea that God just loves you so much he won't hurt you, that's a fallacy. The truth is that God will discipline you. For whom he corrects is because he loves them. We're responsible for being a light for Christ in this dark world. Everywhere you go, you should be projecting God's light. Jesus said, we are the light of the world. You are the light. You are the light. The believer in Jesus is the light of the world. Some light, it seems some Christians only, only reflect the flames of hell. We don't reflect the light of Christ. We act like hell and just, you know, we claim heaven as our address, and I don't get that. Are you who you say you are? Who are you as a Christian? You're accountable for being a light for Christ. You're responsible for how we, we talk. Every word, Matthew 12, 36, but I tell you that every, somebody shout every, every. careless word that people speak, 
they shall give an accounting to it on the day of judgment. Every careless word. Could you imagine every careless word in your life that you gave, that you spoke? God's going to hold you accountable for it. Words of life and death. Words do not die. They live forever. Ephesians 4, 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others as according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Mm. Your conversation should be wholesome. Your words should be like to someone, strength to your brother, your sister, amen? As a Christian, you're responsible for, your, for your, how you think, your thought process. Too many Christians have a defeated attitude, and I will guarantee you, your attitude, you with me today, anybody here? Your attitude determines your aptitude. Your aptitude is your ability to learn, your ability to be molded by God, your ability to be uh, moved and used by God and, and to learn where you make mistakes at. But when we have a bad attitude, we seem to make the same mistakes over and over. I guarantee you most of the time when you swear in sin, it's because you're upset. And so when you have a bad attitude, you have a bad attitude. And you cannot learn that you should not speak the way you're speaking. Anybody here today? We will also be accountable for all that we did not do that he required us to do. For to know to do well and to not do it in itself is a sin. Have you ignored the needs of a neighbor, of a person in your family, in your job? James 4.17 says that anyone then who knows the good and ought to do it and doesn't do it, he's a sinner. Is there things in your life that God's asking you to do that you haven't done? In all these things, we're responsible to God. Our sins, our failures, our successes, our shortcomings, everything. For Paul says in Romans 3.19, now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole earth held accountable to God. We should not be concerned with no one else's issues with their lives around us. Don't worry about your brother's sins. Worry about their needs, not their shortcomings. Don't worry how Pastor Carmen's living. Don't worry how so-and-so's living. Just worry how you're going to go before God. Don't judge nobody else's life. A time will come when you will stand before God, the mighty judge of ages, and give an account for everything you've said, everything you've done. It's a sobering thought to know that I will stand before God, and I will have to give him an entire account for my life. None of your classic, I don't remember that. Oh, I got it right here. Hold on. Just, that's it right there. I got another angle. Want another angle? Just... Me, Lord? Yes, you. We're going to give an account. I want my account before God to really be something special. I want to be able to stand before him and be like, God, I really used every talent you gave me. I really used every ounce of anointing you put on my life, everything you expected of me. I've tried my darndest to complete it. Not that I was caught up in sin, foolishness. I can never make up my mind. I was undecided, undetermined, always divided in the church. I don't want to be that person. I want to be the believer that says, hey, God, I did my utmost best, not according to my standards, but your standards, because my standards for Christianity were low. But when I looked at your word and you told me to live holy, be righteous, abstain from sin, then, Lord, I was able to say, wow, I have to raise the bar, amen? I think a couple of us need to raise the bar. When we stand before God, there's no twisting the story, no shifting the blame. I love when a kid is, it's not my fault. They made me do it. 
I forgot. No one told me. I couldn't help it, Lord. I didn't lie. I talked to a young kid yesterday for about 15, 20 minutes about something he did wrong. He'd been denying it and denying it and denying it. It took me 15 to 20 minutes to get him out of these lies. I tried to tell this little kid uh, what a web we weave when we choose to deceive. At the end of it, all right, maybe I said it. Wait a minute. Maybe? Maybe you swore? Did you or did you? Maybe I did. Well, it's a yes or no answer, young man. All right, I did it. It took me nearly 20 minutes to get it out of this kid. Are you with me? You getting this? The problem is us adults don't have nobody pressing us. And so we don't have to be accountable for our actions. Nobody comes. Why were you out there last night at that place you shouldn't have been? What were you doing? Because if someone did, I am grown. You can't be coming at me. I got a mustache and a beard. You can't be coming at me like that. These young kids going to the house like if they're grown. Ain't paying no rent when I act all crazy in the house. I'm grown. I come home when I want. What you mean? That's just how God is with you. Right before you go to sleep, he's trying to ask you to pray. I'm grown. Don't tell me what to do. I don't care if I came home at 3 in the morning after sinning. I'll still go to church tomorrow. In what, God? No accountability in the body of Christ. So prideful, we can never call somebody up and say, hey, listen, I'm struggling. I got some issues in my life. Can I move on? You're accountable for the people that are over you. True freedom begins and ends with accountability. Anybody want to live a free life? Be accountable to somebody. Accountability stretches past God. We as believers are accountable for our secular and spiritual leaders as they're accountable for us. For the Bible says in Hebrews 13, 17, Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls, and they know they are accountable to God for you. Give them reason to do this joyfully and not with sorrow. That would certainly not be for your benefit. Every sermon I preach is probably anywhere. You can ask my, 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 my assistants, my wife, Carlos. It takes about 13 to 25 hours of preparation and study to try and make sure what I'm teaching you is sound doctrine and not some foolishness from the heart of a child. And so I come here prepared to give you something that I've been studying over in my life. And, and God desires you to hear it that day. And many Christians can't even remember what was preached last week. You can't remember because you became a hearer of the word, not a doer of the word. But the Bible says listen to your spiritual leader and don't make them cover you in sorrow because you don't listen. You're always caught in sin. Be a reason to have them joyful. Listen to your bosses at work. We don't want to listen to bosses at work these days. Rolling our eyes, huffing and puffing, gossiping behind their backs. Anybody with me? Oh, you're all quiet. Then when you get fired, you act as if you had no reason why. I never saw it coming. So unfair. Not right. God's on my side. 
This is God. He closed this door. No, you closed that door. I'm so tired of things happening to people putting God's fingerprints on them when God had nothing to do with it. God's DNA should be in everything in your life. You should be accountable for the people above you, and, and you should realize that you have to be a good steward. When people at work talk bad about the boss, you should shut them up. Because to know to do right and not do it is a sin. You should say, listen, I don't think we should do that. At the end of the day, they're our boss. Whether you like Obama or not, you should pray for him. Romans 13 declares that all authority is given by God. You don't know why God's done it, but you've got to pray for the man. I don't care whether you voted for him or not. Pray for him. Anybody here with me today? As ushers are responsible to a head usher. Children's ministry responsible to the children's ministers. Uh, the youth leaders are responsible for the teens. And there's always a level of responsibility. Teens, you should give, you should not give your youth leaders a heart attack. Ushers, you should not be so unreliable that, that you give the head usher a headache. You should be accountable. I knew accountability wouldn't be popular in church, but we need it. I am accountable for all of you people. I told you maybe like three months ago, one of my greatest fears is that most of you might just go to hell. I'm not saying it to be mean. I'm not trying to be over spiritual, but I fear for your souls. It's my job as a pastor to, to try and teach you to live a lifestyle. See, you can lead a, water, a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. I can give you and spoon feed you all the word of God that I want. But if you don't decide one day that something just clicks in you and say, listen, I've got to be a responsible believer. I've got to stop acting like if God has to come my way and bless me mightily so that I can live for him. I'm just going to live for him no matter what my life looks like, no matter how I feel. I've got to live for Christ. No matter what I feel like, I should live for God. I'm talking about real spiritual accountability. I, as a pastor, I'm accountable to Pastor John Moratori and Pastor Philip Pimlock. They're my overseers. I'm not just some guy running around doing what I want. If I do something wrong, they call me out. When I need help, I go to them. When I have things I'm struggling with, I go to them. I got somebody. Who do you got? Nowadays, we keep all of our issues inside of us. You have to understand that every leader in your life is trying to take you to a different level. Amen? I could not begin to describe the burden as a pastor that pastors carry. I couldn't begin to describe it. I, can, I told Brother Melvin just the other day, well, how did you feel when you had your firstborn? He said, man, I had this responsibility to take care of her and provide for her. I said, how did you feel when you had your, your son? Well, the, it was double. That, that responsibility was doubled. And so you have to realize that every time this church grows, every time someone new signs up, it's another child that I care for spiritually, like another person I have to prepare a meal for. You got one kid struggling, two kids struggling. I got about 200. I'm struggling. <laughs> Pulling on me. Wanting attention, wanting this, nothing wrong with that. That's fine. That's what I'm here for. It's the burden that I carry for what I do. We should be accountable to leadership. We should not be those type of person who do not desire to ever be corrected, ever be told what to do. But realize somebody might see it from a different, somebody say, perspective. As a believer, you're accountable to your church. 
You should not be the reason people don't come to church. You should be the reason they do come. Your testimony outside this church, you're accountable for how you reflect on GVA. If you call yourself a member or citizen of this church, you should act in a way that is uh, representable of this church. That reflects a good image, amen? Who do you reflect? The scripture says, don't give your leaders sorrow. Don't make them hurt, but yet be the reason they are joyful. You're a walking, breathing testimony of what God has done in my life. I say that again. You are a living testimony of what God's doing in my life. For what he does in my life, I project it into your life every Sunday morning. And so how you react and how you act outside of this place reflects how I act in this place. And so if you act a mess, people are going to be like, that pastor's crazy then. Which, granted, I'm a little crazy. But in a good way. Right, honey? Thank you. Somebody said, I need to be accountable. I really hope you get something from today that you can be accountable. This next one's pretty tough. This next one's pretty tough. Besides the fact that as Christians, we're accountable for the word that goes forth in the church. We're accountable for the preachings that come forth. I love seeing people take notes because I know when they pray, they're going to read during the week what they've been writing. They're going to go over it when they're feeling down. That's what you're accountable for the word going forth, meaning you're accountable for God's word in your life. Amen? Number three, this is really good. You're accountable for each other. Look, look around you. You may not pay for their sins, but you might pay for what you could have hurt. And God's going to say, listen, listen, Renani, you should have helped Janet. You knew she had a problem. You knew she was hurting. Call us if you had made yourself available and approachable. Mike could have came to you and told you he was struggling with something. God's going to hold us accountable for how we come into church and walk out of church and don't talk to nobody. God's going to hold us accountable. Listen to this. You're trying to tell me, Pastor, that I have to be accountable for these folks around me? You mean I have to be really open with them? I have to care about them and care for them? I have to encourage them? You mean God's going to hold me accountable for them in part? Could you imagine that? I stand before God, and he's going to be like, you know, Manny had a problem. And you sat next to him every day in church, Daniel. But because you were counterfeit as a Christian, you could never help Manny out. And Manny struggled all his Christianity. You know, there are people in this church who are struggling in their finances, don't got no groceries in their home, but too proud to say it. But if they had a friendship with somebody in this church and you stopped coming in here being superficial and started getting real with some folks, maybe you could have made that connection with them. How do you feel leaving this church knowing some folks are going hungry? That should break your heart. Knowing some women might, might feel worthless, broken by a man, feeling hurt, confused. That should break our hearts as Christians, as believers, amen? I want to give you a couple of verses. About 20 verses. Just write them down. Don't try and follow me. I needed to back my theory up that you're responsible for one another. Somebody shout, shout one another. First Thessalonians 5.11. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as, in fact, you are doing. You are responsible for the building of your neighbors. Spiritually. You should encourage them. Ephesians 4.25. Therefore, laying aside falsehood, meaning being a liar. A gossip, 
Speak truth, each one of you with his neighbor. For we are members of, somebody say, one another. Let the word of Christ dwell in you as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom as you sing songs, hymns, spirituals, with gratitude in heart to God. That's Colossians 3.16. John 13, 35. By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you would just love one another. If you would love people around you, people are going to know you're Christians. If you would love the hurting, the weak, the wounded, you're going to know you're a Christian because only Christians can act in that capacity. But yet I know some secular, unsaved people who are probably atheists that have more love than you have for your brothers and sisters. Romans 12, verse 9. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. That's a big word, devoted. That's like marital status. Be devoted to one another. Honor one another above yourselves. That's tough. I know you think the world of yourself, but the Bible says to honor your brother and your sisters in Christ above yourself. Never lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Oh, nobody caught that. Share with God's people who are in need. Nobody caught that. Share with God's people who are in need. My life as a child was characterized, and, and it was never a, seemed never to be a week that we weren't giving away the food in our home. The only problem was we just had no food to give. I mean, they gave away the last box of cornflakes, the last syrup. You know how hard it is to eat dry pancakes as a kid? And we didn't have butter. We just cooked the pancakes with Pam. And so we had no butter to put on top. You know, anybody know what I'm talking about? Cutting our government cheese in half to give it away to people. My father getting pizzas and finding people on the side of the road hungry. Giving them our pizza. We're just like, really? Really? Really, Dad? My father told me a story when we first got married. My mother gave away the curtains in the house, the new curtains. and kept the old ones. Nowadays, we give out the old ones to keep the new ones. Mm. I'm talking about real hospitality. You know someone's hungry, and you just invite them to your house for dinner. See someone struggling, just give them a, a shoulder to cry. I'm talking about real Christianity. Not this fast-paced, fast food. I can, I can take you for a sandwich. And you never see that person again. I'm not talking about, hey, girl, I got to have you over sometime. That means no time. I got to get this together. We got to get together. Yeah, I know. I'm going to see you. I'll Facebook you. Okay. Like eight months later, hey, girl, where you been? Waiting for your Facebook. <laughs> Anybody get real hospitality as believers? It says here. Romans 12, verse 15. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Be willing to go to the people in the streets, the, the guy at the exit 27 and 28 over there with the sign, homeless, need food, willing to work. That guy, him. Help him. Help him. Don't be conceited and look at him. Roll your windows up. Thank God you have tents. There's no help the lowly people. Accept one another as Christ accepted you in order that you might give praise to God. 
1 Corinthians 1.10, appeal, I appeal to you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you would agree with one another, so that there may be no division among you, and that you may be perfectly united in the mind and thought. Galatians 5.13, you, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge in a sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. Ephesians 4.2, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. You know what bearing means? That when it's really stressful, to still deal with people who are hurting. That when you're hurting, help people who are hurting. Because sometimes helping someone who's hurting frees you. Anybody here with me today? Ephesians 5, 21. It might get heavy here. Submit yourselves one to another. Anybody know what submission is? I'll leave it alone. Colossians 3.13, bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as Christ forgave you. One another. There's people sitting five, three, four seats away from you hurting. People who have no friends, have no one to really see in their life. No one to really meet with them during the week and keep them out of trouble. They've given up the world, they've given up everything, and all they have is worldly friends, and they're looking for some believers to stand with them, but we're all too busy, caught up in our own lives. Hebrews 3.13 says, encourage one another daily. As long as it, is called, as it is called today, you should encourage one another, that you may not be hardened by deceitfulness. Hebrews 10.25, let us consider how to spur one another on towards love. Let us not give up meeting together, as some of us are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. 1 Peter 1.22, you've been purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for your brothers. So please love one another deeply with your whole heart. 1 Peter 3.8, finally, all of you live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic towards them. Love as brothers. Be compassionate. Be humble. 1 Peter 4.9, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Whatever gift you have, use it to serve others faithfully. 1 Peter 5.5, 5, young men, in the same way, be submissive to those who are older. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility towards one, somebody say another. 1 John 3.11, think this is the message you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. 1 John 3, 23, and this is the command, to believe in the name of Jesus Christ and to love one another as Christ hath commanded us. 1 John 4, 7, let us love one another for love comes from God. 1 John 4, 11, dear friends, since God loves you, we ought to love one another. For no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us. James 5, 16, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. For the effective prayer of a righteous man accomplishes much. Confess your sins, not to a priest, to one another. What does that mean? What does that mean? That someone can come up to you in confidence and say, listen, I have this sin. I'm dealing with pornography. 
I'm dealing with an addiction. I'm dealing with this. I'm dealing with that. And I need you. I really need you to pray for me. And they should have the confidence that you're not going to be the Connecticut Post and blast their news all over town. You know, Brother Carlos, Brother Mike is really dealing with a spirit of pornography. I need you to pray for him with me. I can't do this alone. That's not God. That's not love to spread hate. Are you the type of person someone can walk up to and say, hey, I got some sins in my life. Will you pray with me? The problem is the church has become so busy. We're in a day and age where most believers care only for themselves. We've been so caught up with personal issues. We fail to see the hurts of a dying world all around us. We fail to see that people need us. I tell you the truth, the gospel of Jesus Christ is not a self-serving gospel that heals us and helps us and does good for us. But no, the gospel of Christ is that the people who are hurting the most go out and heal those who are hurting also. It's real Christianity. You can look past your own hurts and say, God, I want you to use me to help someone. We're accountable for one another. We're a body. If you hurt, I hurt. If you fall, we all hurt. We all hurt in our hearts. If one of us is straggling behind, we stop to help them. We should encourage someone if they fall. We should strengthen them when they are weak. Give them food when they're hungry. It's the greatest mission and attribute in the body of Christ that we are accountable for one another. We are a body of Christ. We're one organism. We are a body. We are not a morgue. We're not a, a place. We're not like a, a Lego factory of believers. We're not a, a bunch of pieces we can just build. No, we're a body. We belong to each other. I don't know if you really get this. Your success is dependent upon the person next to you. I'll put it like that. Your growth in Christ is dependent upon the person sitting behind you. You're getting this today. The manner in which God blesses you is dependent upon the person who's all around you. There needs to be a love revolution in the church. We begin to care about others. We, stop, we start being caring instead of careless. We start being selfless instead of selfish. Places that we, we actually kind of start doing things that we've never done before and caring about people instead of just ourselves. We should not be here to receive but to be givers. For God has not given to me just so I can keep it, but he's given to me so that I can produce it and spread it out to the world. For every blessing that God gives me is not for my own benefit but for the benefit of the organization, of the church, of the body. If God blesses you financially, it's not just so you can have a great savings. It's that you can help people. We have to have a, a really real love revolution. That when you're struggling with sin, someone can actually confess to you and come to you and say, listen, I'm struggling. I have an issue. The church is so judgmental. We're so hurting each other. We're, we're hell-bent on hurting people. We're hell-bent on just, you know... We are, a, we are a society, and I don't mean to say this, to please help me out here. Hispanics love bochinche. Hispanics love just running their mouths. And because our families are so tight-knit, there's never no privacy in the family. Can't tell nobody nothing, because then the whole world knows. Then we take things to new levels, you know? Well, you're my husband. you got to tell me everything he told you. No, I can't tell you some things he told me. Well, you're my wife. Tell me everything she told you. I can't tell you everything. She told me some things in confidence. That's the bottom line. You talk to my wife. I don't know. I don't care what you told her. That's between you and her. I don't need to know everything. There should be confidence in the body of Christ, not bochinche. 
We shouldn't be a bunch of gossips in English. There you go, for those who don't speak Spanish. We should not have itchy ears and running mouths. We should be able to have true, pure, unadulterated love for our brother or sister that when they hurt, we go to them, hey, listen, talk to me. Whatever you need, I'm there for you. I'm there for you. And then we actually be there for them. How many times you told somebody, yeah, I'll pray with you. You see a Facebook post, I'm praying. They text you, yeah, I'm praying. You never prayed. You never, come on, I want you to be honest. You really got down and said, Lord, help them out. I was just like, wow, that's so horrible, man. God help them. That's not a prayer. He says, confess your sins to one another. Confe- man, you should be able to go to someone and say, listen, I'm struggling. I've got some demons in my closet that I've been hiding. You want real spiritual growth in your life? It starts and ends with accountability because accountability breeds responsibility. Number four, and I'll close with this. We're accountable for all the souls all around us. Listen to what Ezekiel says. It'll be my last scripture for you. Ezekiel 33, 6 and 9. But if the watchman sees a sword coming and does not blow the trumpet to warn the people, and the sword comes and takes the life of one of them, that man will be taken away because of his sin. But I will hold the watchman accountable for his blood. Listen to this. Son of man, I've made you a watchman. Tell somebody next to you, you're a watchman. For the house of Israel. So that the word I speak and give them a warning for me. For I say to the wicked, O wicked man, you will surely die. And you do not speak out to dissuade him from his ways. If you don't tell the wicked man he's going to die for his sin, the Bible says, I will hold you accountable. We as believers, we're watchmen. In the old days of the Bible, a watchman was a man who would stay on top of the city walls at nighttime. And he would look all around for signs of an enemy coming. He would look all around for signs of someone coming to invade the city, to do harm to the city. And Christ says here, God's speaking to the prophet Ezekiel, and he says, listen, I put you as a watchman for the lost souls of this world, for those who have no faith, who do not believe in me. It is up to you to say, listen, God loves you. Listen, God cares about you. Jesus Christ loves you. He died for your sins. You don't have to dwell in death for Christ gave you life, not just regular life, but supernatural, abundant life. Beyond measure. That should be your message to people. You should be able to talk to them. You should be able to open your eyes and see people in your job that are dying to hear the gospel. The only reason why religions like Kabbalah and Scientology are growing so fast It's because man has a need to fill a void that is inside of him. And that void should not be filled with the foolish teachings of the world, but it should be filled with the church, Christ, the gospel. But we are so busy being silent Christians that people all across the world can teach a false doctrine and we find truth in it and people find belief in it and they fall to the left and to the right and by the thousands, folks are being fooled. The Bible says in James, there will come a day when men will no longer put up with sound doctrine. They won't no longer put up with good teaching from the word of God because their minds are full of things of the world. 
Do you not know that God's going to hold you accountable for every lost soul that walked by you that he asked you to speak to? Every person that walked by you that he asked you to minister to? Do you know how the churches throughout the city would look if the believers began to stop being so selfish and took a moment to stand in a single place and look all around them and see, wow, what a dying world I am living in. What a hurting city I am living in. I inhabit one of the worst places in Connecticut and I act as if I, everything is fine, everything is okay, but God said, I put you as a watchman in the midst of a desperate time I put you a vial of water someone who has the living water inside of them I stuck you in the midst of a dry place that you might go and the Bible says when you open your mouth you shall burst forth a stream of living water and that living water is the word of God the gospel of Jesus Christ and he says if I if I gave that power to you and I stuck you in the midst of a city that needs me and I put you as my lamp in that city if you don't shine I'm going to hold you accountable Every person that walks by your light and confuses you with something else, I'm going I'm to hold you accountable. It's time you took off your lampshade and began to be a real light for Christ and lead some people in your, Christ, in your job to the Lord. What would the churches look like if people actually got down and started ministering to people, helping people, inviting folks to church, not just through your words, but through your actions and deeds? What would the church look like? We would not have space enough to contain them. This building could not contain the amount of people that would flood this place if you decided to be a real light for Christ, one by one leading people into the cross. If one by one you would lead them, what would this place look like? I tell you the truth. It's a known fact, 80% of Christians stop sharing their faith after six months of being saved. Could you imagine after six years, they just shut up. They don't say nothing. It's just, it's just, because I wear a cross, you should just know now I'm a Christian. No. No. You will know they are Christians, my disciples, by their love. By their love. When's the last time you got to somebody and said, listen, I don't know you. I really don't. But what I do know about you is Christ loves you. What I do know is that he died on a cross over 2,000 years ago. It may sound crazy. It may sound crazy that God spoke into the womb of a virgin. She gave forth birth and she gave birth to a son who was destined to die for me. It may sound crazy because I don't know you, that I'm walking up to you and saying, hey, listen, I know a God that spent 33 years in this earth. He probably grew the very tree he died on just for you. He was tortured, beaten for days, hung on a cross for over six hours. He took on your sins so that you might not have to die a second time, but that you may have life and have it more abundantly. I know that story may sound crazy, but the only thing crazier than that story is you not accepting his free gift of salvation. What would your life look like if you actually opened up about your faith? If you opened up and said, hey, listen, I'm not, a, I'm not an undercover Christian. I don't know you. When's the last time you walked by? Ain't nothing worse than walking into the supermarket and God tells me to tell somebody something. I went to a church on Friday and God told me to tell some folks some stuff. Oh, it's not easy doing what God tells you to do. Some of you say, well, pastor, how do I know if it's God's voice? 
The devil will never tempt you to speak to someone about God. What would this place look like if at least just maybe, truth be told, most of you just might leave and not even care. But what would it look like if at least 10 of us, 15 of us, would leave this place today and this week, every opportunity God really gave you, you start to slow down this week, slow down. I know we live in a fast-paced world. I know we microwave our food to get it now. I know we have instant email, instant messenger, instant texting, instant everything. Everything is just right now. Take a moment, just slow down. Look around you, see who's hurting. Your life would be so different this week if you shared your faith with at least five people. You know, I'm going to give you a challenge right now. I want to give you a serious challenge right now. I want to ask you today, how many of you can commit this week at a minimum, sharing your faith with five people. If you could do that, stand up with me. Come on. Sharing your faith with five people. Not because it sounds good, because, but because we're really going to do it. We're going we're gonna to live out the gospel this week. For Jesus Christ, he gave us life. We're going to be accountable for those things in our lives that he, he gave us. The greatest thing a Christian has to be accountable for is Matthew chapter 28. I believe it's in the 19th verse. Jesus gave one last decree before he left. He said, listen, go ye and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Come on, every head bowed, every eye closed. Come on. You're saying, Pastor, this week, five souls. Five souls this week, Pastor. It's time I became obsessed with God's will for my life. It's time I, I really shared my faith. I don't want to see someone in my family go to hell because I didn't utter the words that could have saved them. Maybe the miracle you've been waiting for in your family is right in your mouth. You just have to speak it. I'm talking about a generation of Christians who are accountable to God for the, for the things that they have in their life. For the actions. Accountable to their leaders. Accountable to each other as a body in Christ. That we would help our brothers and sisters and that most of all, we would be accountable for the souls that do not know God. And that we would lead at least five. take a moment to tell them the greatest story ever told. The story of Jesus Christ. Come on, let's just take a moment right now. Just put your heads bowed, your eyes closed. Talk to him right now. Lord, I want to be accountable before you. You know, God, I do. I do want to get before your throne and not have everything have to be negative. But the Lord that I got before you and I fulfill the purpose you gave me. That in the midst of all my shortcomings, Lord, I did succeed in you. Come on, is there anybody in this place that is saying, you know, Pastor, I want to learn to be an accountable believer. But I have to grow up and mature in my spirit. And I keep on acting the way I act, but I have to grow up in my spirit. It's time that I really challenge myself to live this week out as a real accountable Christian with a repentive mind learning to be an effective Christian, and then to hold myself accountable to being repentant and to being effective, having the knowledge, the goodness, the mercy that God desires that I would have in my life. This week, I'm going to be accountable for it. I'm going to recognize that i got to stand before a great God, a king of all kings. That I have to stand before him. So Lord, because I know this, I'm going to be accountable. 
I really feel in all my heart that God wants to do something amazing in the next five weeks for this church. It starts with you speaking the gospel with your lips. Come on, if you're not standing already, let's stand to our feet as we close in prayer. I believe what God wants to do in your life is so supernatural that you couldn't begin to, to explain it. You couldn't begin to describe it. Come on, with our heads bowed. I really believe that there's some people in this place struggling with some issues of doubt. I hear God in my heart just really trying to release to me that some people in this place are struggling with even believing that God cares about them, that God loves them, that God even knows that they're there. Come on, Christ loves you with everything in him. Christ loves you with his life. He loved you through his death. Christ loves you. We don't have to doubt God in this place. We don't have to doubt his existence. We don't have to doubt his provision. All we have to do is accept him. Come on, with every head bowed, every eye closed. Is there anybody in this place? And I'm not going to call you to the front today, but I just want you to raise your hand. You're saying, Pastor, I don't know Christ as my Savior. Thank you. I see you. Thank you. If that's you, just raise your hand. You're saying, you know, Pastor, I don't, I don't know Christ as my Savior. Thank you. I, and you're saying, Pastor, I really want to get to know Christ. Do I have any believers in this building today who say, God, I really want to be accountable. Thank you. I see you in the back. If that's you, raise your hand. You know, I haven't been the best example of a believer, but man, by, by all means necessary, I'm going to be accountable this week before the Lord. Come on, if that's you, we're lifting our hands, you know. Maybe sometimes my, my, my Christianity isn't the greatest, but you know, Pastor, I want to be accountable. Thank you. I see you. Thank you. Thank you. This week, Lord, you know, I really, 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 I'm going to share my faith. I'm going to give everything God has for me. I'm going to give it out. Come on, thank you. Hands are going up all over the sanctuary. God's doing things as we raise our hands. As we surrender, he's going to be taking over your heart. Come on, if you have your hands lifted, talk to him right now. Father, I'm broken. I'm hurting. I got things in my life that I couldn't even begin to explain. But God, I already know you have the answer to the questions that I even dare ask you. Father, you have the solution to the problem that seems like as if there's no way out, God. You have that solution. You have it, God. You have it, Lord. You have it, God. I dare you right now to take the next 10 seconds and just talk to the Lord right now. Open your mouth right now. Holy Spirit. Come on, repeat this prayer after me. Dear Heavenly Father, let this be a week of true accountability. That you're holding me to everything I do. Not to my standards, but Father, to your standards. Lord, I love you. And at times it may not seem so. But this week, Father, I want a revolution in my life. Of love. Of accountability of maturity that finally I can walk in your will. Tell them right now, I give you my heart and everything inside. I give you my total, total I don't know, some people are ready for this. I give you my total being from the crown of my head the soles of my feet 
that you can take over and have control. In Jesus' name I pray. Come on, if you pray that prayer with all your heart, just lift your hands and close your eyes right now.